This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. Hey, raw beauties. I want to start this episode off by saying a big thank you to this incredible community. Last week on, it was August 6th, I put a post out on Instagram about something that I've been thinking about for a long time, but I was trying to figure out what my perspective was and I wanted to learn more before I wrote about it. The post starts off with, how can you tell women to love their body when you are so thin? It's easy for you. This is a comment that I get in my DMs frequently. It's obviously not always said in that exact way, but nonetheless, it shows up a lot. So I shared my thoughts on this sentiment. How can you tell women to love their body when you're so thin? It must be easy for you. I put it out there and was aware that I might have some people who weren't happy with my answer or response, but I was overwhelmed by the amount of engagement that the post got. And let me tell you, people brought different opinions to the table. I'm going to link to the post in the show notes down below so you can see what I'm talking about. Some people were in agreement with my stance on it. Other people were not in agreement with it. But what I want to say thank you for is that there was open, honest dialogue. I could tell that people were listening. Nobody was coming to the table to shame anybody, to make them feel worse. It was a conversation. It was a raw beauty talk, which is what I have imagined on this page forever. I don't care for all of us to have the exact same opinion or experience in our body. That would be incredibly boring. I recognize that everybody is going to have different thoughts and perspectives. And what I want in this community is to hear what you think, what you believe, the lessons that you've learned. And that is exactly what happened on this feed. People actually started to notice this is one of the most positive spaces I've ever been to. Somebody commented that it was so refreshing to see women having conversations with different opinions, but not shutting one another down, really listening and staying open to different perspectives. So even though not everyone was happy with this post, it still felt like a really incredible experience for me. I did learn things and I feel stronger about other perspectives that I have. I learned so much and I would really encourage you to head on over. The post is from August 6th. It starts off with, how can you tell women to love their body when you're so thin? It's so easy for you. Read through the comments. I hope you learned something too and I would love to hear your thoughts as well. Let's talk about our guest today. She is absolutely incredible. Scout Sobel has been popping into my inbox for a couple of years now. 
She is the founder of Scouts Agency, a PR firm that was kind of put on the map because they started utilizing podcasts as a powerful form of PR. Now, she's an incredible entrepreneur and killing it in her area, but what I'm really fascinated in is her experience with bipolar disorder and how she's managed her mental health alongside growing this incredible business. She's also the co-host of the very popular OK Sis podcast, and she has her own podcast as well. She actually has a book coming out this week called The Emotional Entrepreneur. So she has her hands in so many things and yet is also navigating this mental health disorder. And so in a time when so many of us are balancing new levels of anxiety and overwhelm and depression based on all these crazy wild things that are happening in the world. And yet we also have these dreams. Can we marry both? There was nobody who would be better to speak on this topic than Scout. And let me tell you, she delivers. So grab your coffee or your tea or your big ass water, whatever, wine, whatever, whatever you feel like. Let's start this episode with the checkup from the neck up. How are you feeling today? Whatever it is, sad, excited, lonely, bored, inspired, let it come up and show up. It's all welcome here on this podcast. Let me tell you, I felt it all and basically every other woman who's listening has felt it all. And then I want you to ask yourself, what's one thing that I need today to support myself? What do I need in this moment to allow me to feel a little more aligned, to feel a little better in this particular body? Can you allow yourself to honor that? Let's dive into this conversation with Scout. I have no doubt you are going to walk away with so many takeaways. Scout, I'm so excited to have you joining me today. We're going to cover everything from entrepreneurship, PR, mental health, your bipolar diagnosis, self-care tips, all the things. I mean, you just launched a book. There's a lot going on in your world. How about to start, take us back to early days. Did you always know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Not at all. The first inclination that I would step foot anywhere near business was I took AP Econ, which was very off-brand for me as a 17-year-old in high school. And I fell in love with it. I took it so, so, so seriously. And throughout my high school career, I was very adamant on science and math not really needing to be in my brain for my future. (laughs) I was super creative. I took, you know, literature classes, writing classes, and really just felt as if my time was better spent if I could just skate by physics, geometry, et cetera, statistics. So I always aimed for an 80% because in the UC system, if you got an 80%, it was still a flat B. So I thought that might increase my chances of getting into college, which I didn't even get into any so it didn't matter anyways. And so I was really way more on the creative side. I wrote in a journal every single day. I listened to alternative moody emotional music. And then I took AP Econ. And at the end of that class, I got an A, which was very, very shocking because I just threw myself in so passionately. 
at the end, he had a little chat with every single student. We were all seniors at the time, just kind of like to impart some wisdom as we graduated. And he pulled me aside and he said, listen, I know that you have this identity of being more into the arts and creative, but I just want you to know that I think you have gifts elsewhere that I think the world of business would really benefit from. At that time, I said, okay, thank you. That's very sweet and weird and and not what I thought I would ever hear. But I didn't really take that into heart until I found entrepreneurship when I was 23, simply because... I dropped out of college due to my bipolar diagnosis. I couldn't hold a minimum wage job as a gelato scooper, hostess, all the stuff, internships, etc. And I found entrepreneurship when I asked my friend to start a magazine. I thought it was going to be an arts and crafts project. And I took it all the way to Barnes & Noble, to having Halsey on the cover, etc. So that's when I really started embracing that there was... One, another way for my interests and passions to play out. And two, an actual structure in which I could function in society and be successful here living with a mental illness. Oh, now when most people hear the word entrepreneurship, you know, there's this ideal of what entrepreneurship life is like when all of us who are in the world know it is so crazy, all hours of the day, no day is the same. There's not a lot of routine and structure. Some days you're winning, other days you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing and this is all going to fall flat any second. So what was it about that environment that worked for you? I had the crutch of calling my psychiatrist and saying, I can't do this, write me a note to get out of work. And I would get a note. I would get out of work. It would be no big deal. I was given a really major excuse to evade any sort of responsibility in my life. And so when I found entrepreneurship, it worked for me because there was too much responsibility on my shoulders. Like I couldn't tap out. My psychiatrist couldn't write me a note to Barnes and Noble explaining why their order of my magazine wasn't at their warehouse on time. It's almost kind of a paradox, right? I couldn't handle responsibility. So I put too much on my plate and that's the only way I showed up. And the minute I found entrepreneurship, I recognized that it had high highs and low lows, very similar to the way my bipolar disorder worked. So emotionally, it was a game that I was always already quite familiar with. And I had always thought, which is the first chapter of my book, it is personal. It's not just business. I had always thought that business was this cut and dry PL strategy, wear a tie, briefcase, conference room kind of deal. And once I hopped into it, I recognized that it was a personal development journey. Like all of a sudden, all of my insecurities and weaknesses are on display while my brilliance is on complete display too. And How do I manage fear and imposter syndrome and risk and uncertainty? It really came down to the fact that I just didn't operate in any other way. As I said, I could tap out too easily. I could avoid responsibility as an employee too easily. And as someone who's mentally ill, while entrepreneurship, in my opinion, is 24-7 many times, it also gave me a lot of flexibility. So I start meetings at 10 every day. I won't take a meeting before 10. Or I can work from wherever I want. If I don't want an office, I don't have to have one. There's a whole chapter in my book called Create the Environment You Want to Work In. And so it gave me the flexibility to architect my day according to what best works with this biology and this chemical imbalance in my brain. And it gave me enough responsibility that I had to show up no matter what. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. 
Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Over. Let's talk about the chemical imbalance in your brain. I think we're all a little chemically imbalanced. I know I sure am with the amount of anxiety I've struggled with and my eating disorder in the past. I think that sometimes it's easy to categorize people as being crazy or unstable. And then there's this idea that there's normal. And I, I mean, through all the conversations that I've had, I realize that this just doesn't exist. Everybody falls on a spectrum somewhere. So tell me about your beautiful, brilliant, diverse brain and how it works and how you've come to understand it along the way. So my brain today works very differently than my brain did you know, years ago. I had my first depressive episode at 14 and then formally diagnosed with bipolar at 20. And today my handle and management and relationship with my mental illness is one that is quite freeing and supportive and I actually feel quite safe within. However, these symptoms that have risen to the surface over the years include extreme depression. So I'm bipolar type 2, which means that my mood swings go into depression and then up into more of a hypomania versus full mania. So depression is one of my main, main, main symptoms. I also suffer from anxiety. I have psychosis, which levels from different things such as hearing voices in my head telling me to harm myself. It kind of manifests in that I feel like someone else is implanting thoughts into my brain that aren't my own. I dealt with extreme paranoia for many years where I felt as if men were following me home under my bed, in my closet, 
waiting to come out and harm and kill me. And I would plan escape routes for hours thinking it was real. I also deal with catatonia, which is when I experience too much anxiety or physical exhaustion or my nervous system is too revved up. My entire body will just shut down and shut off and my motor functions slow down significantly. It's very difficult for me to talk. I've been basically paralyzed for hours on end, suicidal ideation, etc. So that's kind of the clinical identity towards my disorder. What that looked like in my personal life was me unable to handle school, unable to go to school, unable to function in a job. Really, I just ran away from anything that required me to show up. I didn't understand how other people did it. But yeah, that's a little bit about how my bipolar showed up. Did you embrace that diagnosis or was it scary? It was highly terrifying. At that point, everyone around me knew that I was mentally ill, so that wasn't the question at play. But you have to understand that this was 10 years ago. I think in the last few years, people without diagnosed mental illnesses are now realizing they can go to therapy. I mean, 10 years ago, this was a death sentence. This was like, I'm crazy. I'm done. There's nothing for me in this life. And so the minute I found out I was in New York in school, I was on the next flight home and dropped out of college. And then went into an outpatient program and then months later was locked up under a 5150. So it was really terrifying. And something I want to point out, which I hope will change and I hope to one day be a part of that change, my healing took so long. I'm going to be 30 in a month. And I wouldn't say that I actually started feeling safe in my mental illness until a year and a half ago. I believe that it took that long because my husband, who is 10 years sober from alcohol and drugs, his mental illness, there was a place for him. He went to detox and then rehab and then sober living and then the rooms. For me, I was begging for community. I didn't know where to go. There was no structure, no place I could enter into. I called many rehabs and said, will you take me for bipolar? They said, no, you need an addiction as well. And so that was really troubling to me. And I think about all the people who have mental illnesses who are really forced to do this alone and create a system for themselves through trial and error. And trial and error takes a lot of time. And so really one day I hope to either create a system, a place where people can go to put aside time for their healing because granted at 30 to have most of this figured out is pretty extraordinary and I'm so proud of myself. I can also look back and see where the healing could have been accelerated had I been given a time and space and support around it. Well, I have no doubt that you will do all of that. What would you say are some of the key factors that have supported you in getting from that rock bottom place where you've dropped out of school, you're struggling to where you are now. There was one pivotal moment where the narrative in my mind switched from this is happening to me to taking complete radical responsibility and acceptance over my emotions. At 21, I had started dating my now husband and boyfriend, and he was a year and a half sober at that point. And he looked at me and he said, listen, I don't care if you're depressed. If you're depressed and hopeful, I will be in this relationship. If you're depressed and hopeless, I won't be here. Mm. It really changed my life for two reasons. One, I had lost my college experience. I had lost jobs, internships, opportunities. My friends were about to graduate with incredible job offers and I was living at my mom's house. So I really wasn't prepared to lose something else. He was kind of like that last thing. He was the last straw. It was a reality check that if I kept going down the path that I was going, which was giving up my power to my mental illness and living within victimhood, 
that my life really truly would amount to nothing. It was that and the fact that someone looked at me and put a parameter around my behavior. I think many times, especially back then, my parents are the most supportive. And in many ways, sometimes it was enabling, you know, everyone would allow me to cancel last minute and say, oh, she's mentally ill. No one held me accountable for the way I reacted to my emotions. So when he said that to me, it led me down a path of active healing. I think my healing had been passive Mm. thus far. It was do what the therapist says, go to therapy, take the meds, whatever. But it was never this internal pull from me to do stuff for myself. So I went to the self-help aisle and Barnes and Noble and believe me, it was a spooky aisle back then. I was like looking <laughs> over my shoulder, like who's going to see me here? No one in there is, is who you want to be connecting with. You know, I started practicing gratitude and developing a relationship with the higher power and going to support groups. And through that, I started to become more of a functioning member of society and got to the point where I could hold a part-time job as a barista and I could re-enroll in a class at community college to dip my toes back into the water. And that's when I found entrepreneurship. And so that was really my first catalyst. And I would say the most impactful thing that I've done for myself in the last year and a half is to rewire my beliefs and relationships to my emotions. So Today, I have a core fundamental belief that I am safe within my emotional experience. For years, I used to think that my emotions had the capability to destroy me. Now I understand that they are beautiful guides, warning signs, mentors, etc. And so I did a lot of work to redevelop that core belief of mine. And now I believe that I'm so safe in my emotions. And with that belief, I can not add fire to the fire when something uncomfortable or painful comes up. Rather, I'm really willing and accepting to face it head on, to walk through it, to understand what it is, and then to course correct or at least accept the situation and just sit in the experience of what I'm having. So changing that was a game changer for me. How did you go about changing that core belief? Because I think we all carry beliefs within us, some of which are empowering and provide safety and security and hope and others that are really limiting and trap us and hold us back and prevent us from sharing our voice or our talents or whatever it is. How did you go about recognizing even that you had this belief and then changing it? So I recognized that I had it when I read Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And she says that oftentimes her emotions got her to a point where she said that she couldn't handle it anymore. And that's something I would always say. I would always text my friends, I can't do this anymore. I can't handle it anymore. And in that book, she would say that, but then five seconds later, she was still handling it, which means that she could handle her emotions and she could survive them because she had survived them every other time. And so I realized, I was like, oh my God, I keep talking about how my emotions are going to destroy me and yet they haven't thus far. There is more evidence behind me that I have survived my emotions than I haven't. So that was the first aha moment of me really reframing that narrative within. And then to change the core belief, you know, we develop a core belief because we say something to ourselves enough times that we believe it. So I told myself enough times that I am not safe within my bipolar disorder. And then I believed it. So I said, well, if you use that rationale and that past experience, the way to reverse it is to tell myself something else. Mm -hmm. So I wrote down, I am safe in my emotions. On a post-it note, I put it on the 
mirror in my bathroom. I put it as the screensaver of my computer and my phone. I would write it every time I felt an uncomfortable emotion. I would stop what I was doing. I would open my journal and I would write it over and over and over and over and over again. If I wasn't near my journal, I would say it in my mind over and over and over again while I was experiencing that emotions. And truly through repetition, through seeing the words, through writing the words, through saying the words internally, I became to really believe it. I love those tactical, tangible tips that people can start to apply in their own life and would like to also add that changing core beliefs takes time. It's not something where you can repeat a mantra once during a meditation and hope that it sticks. We've got to really stay committed to it and dedicated to it and search out examples and moments when the new core belief that we're trying to instill within ourselves is being reflected back to us. Yeah, I would say that that entire process, and I am talking, I went hard with this, guys. Like, I think it took like four months of intense repetition for it to even start feeling remotely true for me. And that's, kind of, to be honest, that's really quick in my opinion. It's quick and it's not over yet is the reality. The work oh, continues, yeah. right? Like you'll have experiences and moments when that belief is deeply challenged and that will allow you to kind of work on further grounding in this new belief that you're creating for yourself. I always say in the Raw Beauty Reset and in coaching with my clients that every symptom, craving, even the pain that we have has a good intention for us. What would you say the good intention is behind the emotions that you experience? So my bipolar is my biggest gift. Whenever someone tells me they've been diagnosed, I said, congratulations, you're one of the lucky ones. I will never wake up at the age of 40, 50, 60, 70 and say, where did my life go? Because when I'm living out of alignment, when I'm outside of my intense, direct purpose, my emotions will flare up so significantly that they do take me out. I experience emotional paralysis and I cannot continue with the task at hand. And so if I am that sensitive to being out of alignment, that means that my emotions have a very, very specific plan for me. And it's not if I listen to them. I mean, if I don't listen to them, I'm just depressed forever. So if I listen to them and take the challenge to course correct... I am continuously being pivoted towards my alignment or being rewarded for being in it when I find it. Mm. So my emotions have my back like crazy. Sure, they might fucking exaggerate sometimes. They might tell me that over here is life or death when it's not. I can understand the difference now and understand that they have to come or they do for me come through so strong so that I can really, really listen and honor them. And I've also really understood that the difference between, I should say, an emotion coming up because I'm living out of alignment and emotion coming up because I'm exiting my comfort zone and they're asking me to play small because they don't want to enter new territory. There's two different things. Anxiety can visit me because I'm doing something that is out of alignment that I shouldn't do. And anxiety can visit me before I launch a book because it's telling me that I'm entering into the unknown. When do I listen to the anxiety and when do I say, thank you so much for telling me? Thank you for looking out for me. You really love me right now. And I have a really, really strong vision and purpose and I'm taking you with me towards it. 
So it's this fine dance of understanding what emotions feel like in your body and then listening to them because they have something to say. When people say, I just have anxiety, you don't just have anxiety. You might experience anxiety more intensely than somebody else. Your anxiety might exaggerate in contrast to the actual situation, but I promise you it's there and telling you something important if you listen to it. And so emotions are the most beautiful indicator of where we should be going, where we're going wrong, where we should go right, etc. If we can listen to them and really, really honor them for what they are, our biggest mentors in this life. I completely agree. I have full body goosebumps listening to that. It's the same way that I view my anxiety now in that I've learned to tune in and often it requires pause to reflect on, is this anxiety telling me that I'm heading in the wrong direction right now or that life's not looking like how it should? Maybe things are too busy or maybe I'm about to make a business move that I shouldn't be making. Or am I leaving my comfort zone and that's uncomfortable and my anxieties I call it my fearful friend. She's chirping up. As you start to understand yourself and your emotions and your anxiety or your depression or your whatever it is that you're coming to the table, because we all have these things, you'll be able to better discern what it's saying and why it's coming up and you can work with it. Now, on that note, I take medication for my anxiety and I still have levels of anxiety and moments, but my biochemistry, my mother, my grandfather, both of my sisters, like we all came into this world with a certain biochemistry that has us with very exaggerated anxiety. I don't know if I'll be on the medication forever to be determined. It's working great right now. It doesn't numb out or completely remove the anxiety for me. So I can still listen and use it as a guide, but it gives me a little bit of a boost so that I can cope and not have to like stay in bed or, you know, end up in panic attacks all the time. What has your protocol been around medication for bipolar and what does that look like for you? So one, that's beautiful that your anxiety medication works for you. I could never find an anxiety medication that worked for me. I would just fall asleep. I don't know why. So I started medication, I don't know, maybe 19. And to be honest, I have not had the best experience with medication. Personally, I have been through so many. I am sensitive. So I have had extreme symptoms to a lot of them, including literally not being able to get out of bed until anywhere from 11 to 1 every single day because it physically knocked me out so significantly to intense weight gain, all of the stuff. And so I did find a medication that was working for me pretty well. And, and it was great. It was nice. And that was pretty late in life. I think I, I was 27 at that point that I found that. So I am currently not on medication. I have not been on medication for a year. I guess my philosophy or opinion, give or take, of medication is that I think that it can help so many people. I think that when you find one that works for you, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I also feel like we potentially put too much responsibility on the medication to cure us when I've always thought the medication can do 20% of the work, but you still got to do 80. And so- 100%. Yeah. And so I think that the focus on, well, I just have to find a medication that works for me is not the right focus. I think that while you're looking for the medication that works for you, because it truly is 
trial and error. It takes time. Focus on that 80% of what you can do for yourself because if you can really garner that up, the medication is going to work so much more beautifully and you're going to be so much happier. And the only thing that I will say from my experience with medication is you really have to be your own advocate in a psychiatrist's offices. So one of the questions that I learned to really, really ask is what are the initial symptoms and what defines a warning symptom that I should call you if I'm experiencing? And what are the withdrawal symptoms? What does it take to get off this medication? Because oftentimes that part goes untalked about. And I withdrawn from a medication that put me in a far worse state for a month as I was withdrawing. So make sure you're really educated on what the symptoms are, knowing that they're different for everybody, but really be your biggest advocate in a psychiatry's office. I love all of this. And I love that there's so many paths to wellness and really, again, rooting down into that, knowing that all of our bodies are different, our stories are different, our needs are different, advocating for yourself when it comes to health and wellness and asking lots of questions. Even though we're talking to experts in their field, we're allowed to bring our own questions and and to understand what it is that we're putting in our body or what we're doing for our body. And so never hesitate to ask. I'm curious about the 80%. So you said, let's look at medicine as 20%, a booster. For me, it was something that allowed me to actually get out of bed so that I could use the tools and do things like meditation where I was having intrusive thoughts. The medicine helped quiet those down so that I could do the other 80%. What does your 80% look like? It's a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) I love a girl with a lot. Tell me all the things. You know, especially because I'm off medication. So a lot of it is doubled down. You know, first, sleep is non-negotiable for me. I'm happy at eight and a half. If I have to sacrifice, it's eight. We're not going below that. I really believe that routine is so incredibly important. So I have a pretty extensive morning routine that includes not looking at my phone for an hour and a half. I'm really conscious about the content that I consume. So what podcast am I putting on? Who's flooding my Instagram feed? Who do I need to mute today? I journal first thing in the morning and I subconsciously journal and let that free form and just emotionally purge and dump and let my subconscious come to the forefront. I pick cards just to intuitively kind of settle into me, to ground into me, to meet my soul first thing in the morning. I move my body. I'm not a worker outer, so I call it moving my body. Some Pilates in the morning, 20-minute walk, just getting some light movement in. I drink water constantly. I try to eat 80% of the time super, super clean. I meditate at night. I'm reading books that are helping me in my personal development. I pray. I express gratitude. I give myself a lot of pep talks. I think mental health is just and entrepreneurship is just this ongoing pep talk internally. I really, really assess where I'm at at all times. I get outside. I do grounding every day. I find that the best thing for my mental health is to go long periods of time without my phone. So at night, it also gets put away. I got my essential oils. I got my right playlists. I I catch the way I speak to myself. You know, if I say I have to do this, no, it's I get to do this. I really think about how can I look at this differently? How can I look at this in a way that this is for me and going to help me make a win today? So it's a lot of reframing, reprogramming, and catching the way I speak to myself and and replacing thoughts that either are uncomfortable or discouraging. Mm. 
It's a lot of emotional assessment. It's a lot of physically taking care of myself. It's a lot of boundaries. Like I am just not somebody who can go and travel and have like a million different itineraries and not sleep and be in a different bed every single night and eat out every... Like I need so much alone time and I need so much grounded consistency because in my brain, everything can be crazy. So I need my outer world to just be home, right? So I'm really bad at traveling, by the way, really bad. I actually don't like to travel. So mm-hmm. it, it's just knowing myself and it's setting up systems. It's every day. I, I don't think in the last two years, at least probably five at most, that I have woken up without consciously doing what I need to do to feed my soul and my emotions. Sometimes it's exhausting, Sometimes I'm like, why can't I just have a day where I just am and I'm not doing all these things? But then I realize that all these things are my superpowers. They make me stronger. They make me more confident. They connect me inwards. They promote a lifestyle that isn't numbing out or toxic or self-deprecating or any of that. It's actually the structure and it's the systems that I get to play in that give me the life that I have today. So I can spend my time being pissed that I have to engage in them or I can thank them for what they give me. What would you say is different about your life other than really having to stick to your routine? How has being bipolar impacted your life on a, on a day-to-day basis? Today, not so much. Four years ago, every day, I would wake up and not know what, what my day had in store, how I would feel, what I would cancel. Before, it was very shaky ground. It was very unsafe. It was very unsettling. It was random and spontaneous in a bad way. But today, I'm good. I'm grateful. I'm, I'm grounded. And, and when I'm not, I accept those moments too and realize it's just a invitation to return back to this kind of a state, one where I show up for myself and nourish myself and love myself. And so today there, there aren't any negatives that come with my disorder. It's, it's only the gifts that I'm currently enjoying. I think so many people have had a challenging year, year and a half, two years. There's a lot of unknown coming. Individuals who perhaps had never struggled with mental health issues are all of a sudden feeling anxiety they hadn't felt before, depression, fear, overwhelm. Do you have any recommendations or suggestions in supporting those individuals in this moment? The one thing that I can say is to, one, not make your emotions wrong, but rather give them space to be and accept them for what they are, as well as thank them for visiting. And two, really understand that you're safe in your emotional experience. With all of the uncertainty in the world, it is a reason for your foundation to be rocky. It is not a reason for your foundation to completely break. And so in this moment, it's such a beautiful opportunity to reflect in. I'm not saying a beautiful opportunity is comfortable. It's highly uncomfortable. But to really reflect in, to analyze and process the emotions that are coming up for you, and you'll know what your next game plan is. You'll know if it's meditation You'll know if it's moving your body more every day. You'll know if it's reading spiritual books. You just have to listen to what feels really good in your body as that next step once you've accepted, honored, and spent some time processing what's happening to you emotionally. The best part about today is that there is a plethora of information. And if we can sort through it without letting it seep into our emotional subconscious and really pick the stuff that works for us, There are so many resources and communities and energy that you can live in that you want to. So 
you know, this week I chose to live in Gabby Bernstein's energy and I have the ability to do it because she has a podcast. And so if you're feeling alone and you don't know where to go next, just think about what feels good to you. What music do you want to listen to today? Whose book do you want to read? Whose energy do you want to be involved with? And thankfully to podcasts like these, to the internet, to music, to movies, we are allowed to indulge in the ambiance that we so wish and that our soul so craves. So if you are at that point, I know it's really scary. It's really scary the first time you feel as if your mental health is slipping. And I promise you that if you walk through that fire, it is the biggest gift and you will emerge so much stronger, so much clearer, so much more able to handle life. And in that ability to handle life, you will be able to choose the type of life you want for yourself. Scout, you are a beautiful human being. You are just exploding with light and wisdom and hope and energy. And I really, I know that whatever you dream, you will bring to fruition the more you lean into it. And I cannot wait to read your words in this book that you have coming out. Tell everybody about the book and this masterpiece that you're working on right now. One, thank you very much for that. Two, the book that I just launched is called The Emotional Entrepreneur. I really recognized, as we spoke about earlier, that entrepreneurship really fit within my mental illness because of the emotional range that it offered. And I also saw so many women around me not getting into the game or not succeeding at the game because of their emotions. Being an entrepreneur and living your dream life and and taking a risk and, and creating something for yourself is about the emotional process. And so I wrote the book with 25 lessons. They are the emotional lessons that I have picked up through living with bipolar disorder that I've implemented into my business. And so the demographic is for everybody. However, I did write it specifically with the female millennial or Gen Z female in mind. So it makes it kind of their emotional guidebook to entrepreneurship. Oh, cannot wait to read it. If you are feeling all the feels right now or feeling some of the feels and you're like, wow, she's done such an incredible job of using you know, her own difficult moment to explore within and to understand herself better, I'll put some questions in the show notes that you can answer yourself as well. And let Scout and I know if you enjoyed this episode, you can share the link with somebody that you care about, somebody that you love. I think the more that we hear these stories. And I don't think within the bipolar range, there are, I think everyone's talking about anxiety and depression and not enough people feel comfortable and safe enough to talk about bipolar. So I thank you for showing up and sharing that because I know it's something that are impacting so many people. That's very nice of you to say. And, and I really kind of want to shatter the notion that bipolar disorder is any scarier than any of the other things you mentioned. So if you're experiencing any sort of mental health struggle, it is very valid and very poignant and it doesn't need to be some scarier version of a disorder for it to be treated and honored. So, Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks and remember... It's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week.
Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.